Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert. This is episode 244. Choo-choo! I don't want to do that. Okay, change it. Fine, just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't even thinking of that. Okay, I don't know what you were thinking about this. Se- Hello, Albert. <laughs> Hi, Julius. This sounds like a, a sequel to last week's game, isn't it? How how do you mean? I mean, they're both about skylines. True, but this one has nothing to do with the skyline and much more to do with the express. Okay. Uh, okay. Hello, everyone. So, yes, today we are going to be talking about Skyline Express, which, although maybe the rules may have told uh, the pictures and the rules may have suggested that it's something to do with the skyline. In all reality, you are actually the express. The idea of the game is that you are going to be opening up a brand new train line between two skylines. And your job is to make sure that your train is the absolute height of fashion and perfect for all of your passengers and the most talked about thing in town or as represented in many games, that your train earns you the most victory points by having the best <laughs> synergies of passengers boarding your train. Okay. Okay, this sounds like a set collection, maybe a little bit of area control or something. It's or... it's set collection and placement. Ah, okay, yep. On the board. So the general idea of how you're going to be playing is that you're going to have a row of passenger tiles on a central board. They're going to be either yellow, red, blue, purple, green, or the special white ones, the personas. And you're going to be taking turns. And on your turn, the basic thing you're going to do is you're going to pick one of them from the row and you're going to take from the center board and put them on your personal player board, which is a carriage from a train, which is divided into eight compartments. There's four green compartments, a top left, top right, top uh, bottom left, bottom right. And then similarly, there's four red compartments in between those. And you will pick one seat among the various compartments, put your passenger there, and then pass turn. Along the way, you'll be able to take some extra bonus actions to be able to swap passengers around, move passengers in the waiting room, uh, take extra scoring opportunities, or even swap luggage that some of the passengers may have brought in. You'll fill up the board, which will eventually give you access to tickets, which you can use to get more bonus victory points. Uh, And the different ways that you're arranging passengers will give you points. For example, sometimes you'll want to have a white person with a bunch of red people, or you'll want to have two reds and two blues to score some extra points and all sorts of different ways of arranging people in your carriage board to be able to score the most amount of points. You'll pick them all out over three rounds. So you'll take turns until there's no more people on the board in round one, refill the board, do it again, refill the board a third time. And once that's finished, you'll do a final scoring phase and whoever has the most amount of points at that point wins. Mm, okay. That sounds interesting. That sounds familiar too. Like I've played something like this recently, but I have no idea what it might be. I mean, the idea of just collect similar type things and put them on a board is is relatively well defined. There's a couple mm. things that set this one out as being very different. I think I think what seems familiar to me is is the game had three rounds. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It could be. 
Okay, okay, so so you kind of talked about the the gameplay already, you know, quickly. I was more just trying to summarize how the game yeah. is played. Let me talk about some of the components at this point in time. Okay. So the first main component is going to be your central board, which is a big board area divided into various different places. In all reality, I don't even know that you know so much need the board, but it's nice to have distinct spots for things. There's a distinct spot for the lines of passengers that everyone's going to get to pick from. Um, the personas are special. Each persona, they don't just tie into scoring opportunities. They are themselves scoring opportunities. So when you pick a persona, you also have to pick a persona preference, what scoring opportunities they give you. So there's a special spot for persona preferences on there. There's a special spot for service tiles, which is another type of bonus opportunity. There's a special spot for gold tiles, which are options that everyone has altogether per round. There's a scoring track all around it. All in all, that main board is, is just a beautifully pictured version of the train station where all these things go and the art i'm going to continue to say this probably throughout the whole thing the art on the board is just gorgeous and evocative of the idea of this high fashion uh high fashion old timey train station and all of that looks really nice mm-hmm. it has a very art deco look like from 20s maybe 30s and stuff mm-hmm. All the art is kind of evocative of that. Exactly. The colors, yep. Um, the next component I want to talk about, because it goes on the main board, are the passenger tiles. There are the six types that I talked about, and actually each type has both a male and a female version for each of those. And you mix up a whole bunch of those, and they'll randomly come out on the board. So they try to you know change it over genders and skin color and types and things like that um, in order to mix all that up. All of that art also looks very nice. All of it is within theme, gives person dynamics while making sure that it's very clear what the different colors are. Those tiles and tokens both fit on the board. There's like seats on the main board for them to sit. There's seats on your board for them to sit. So all of that also looks really nice and is very clear. Similarly with the preference preference tiles, the persona preference tiles, the special white person um, white colored persona preferences, the victory point ones. These are special tiles that are a different shape, a very distinctly different shape uh, that show what preferences a particular persona will want. And again, those are clear. They're nice. They're unique art for each individual one about who they are. Uh, they describe what they are and the, the icons that allow you to interpret what bonus preferences what bonus points that persona can give you are also again very clear and very nice and again the it's a high quality token and looks nice there are these service tiles which look like essentially they look like open menus they have a sort of 3d look to them they are all the same thing for the service tiles it's for every pair of the given colors whatever it gives you you get two points the iconization is very clear the style of it is very clear it's not just a simple rectangle like you would have expected. It's high quality because it's a shaped piece. Again, it looks very nice. There are the action tokens, which are these little meeples that you get, which for the most part, you don't really need. They didn't have to be that nice. They're just 
<laughs> they're not used as meeples. They're not really used as much. You don't handle them a lot during the game. They didn't have to be shaped, printed on meeples, but they are shaped, printed on meeples, and they're very nice. Mm-hmm. So that is a bunch of the components. There's a couple that I have not talked about. Um, let me talk about some of the components that I'm not such a fan of. One of them is really unfortunate because it's your main board. Every player is going to have a carriage board of their own. The idea of the carriage board is it's split into six, it's split into eight compartments. The it's dual level printing. Uh, so there's actual, there's raised cardboard spots for each component for each compartment. So each of the eight compartments is in its own well. So the, for example, on the top left, there are four chairs around a table. Um, and those four chairs are green and those are all one compartment. And there's a raised area where there's a border around that to denote that this is a compartment. The mm-hmm. idea of having a raised area grand i very much like that there's a raised area keeps everything nice and neat very tactile you know we've we've talked a lot of times about how raised areas are nice the problem with this board is that the art is not so similarly clear about where a compartment is more than likely if you were to look at this compartment you would probably think that a compartment is the red and green chairs that are back to back or the red and red chairs, but it's the set of chairs that are back to back and that the big thick black table in the center of a compartment is actually a wall because they didn't print any big distinct walls between the components. They left that up to a tactile feeling, but visibly they have a big visible wall in the center of the compartment that is awfully confusing it did <laughs> yeah. not need to be that way i was looking at that picture of the board and I, just like you described it i was sure that the compartments why is this guy like two big compartments there are four big ones in the middle and two little ones on the edge and uh-huh finally i realized what i was looking at and then it made sense but it, yeah so those are tables effort. in the middle of it they shouldn't have they should have made it without those tables in the middle it should have been green and red that would have been very clear it should have had black squares, black lines on the walls that are distinct, but instead the black is in the middle of it. And that is a big major art <laughs> fail. Yeah. And, and to give people an idea of what we're talking about here, right? Imagine uh, everybody's seen uh, Harry Potter movies, right? You're on the mm-hmm. Hogwarts Express and you're in the cabin and there's like four seats for everybody to sit facing each other. That's what the rooms are. But then there's also a table in the middle, which there isn't on the Hogwarts Express. And I think that's what's confusing there. Many real trains do have that table there. Oh, um, do they? Okay. Yeah, I've many real never trains train do. Like that. That's funny. I have. They nice. they do actually have that there. It is fixed. It's part of the wall. Um, it's you know where they serve service. They they put which stuff there. They come around. Mm-hmm. They put that there. It's like a tray table on an airplane. Yep. Um. It's it really is there. Just you know, don't put it there for the art. It's it's so jarring as part of the art, and it's a shame because it's the main part. At a glance, you will miss it. Especially looking at another person's board to figure out what do I need to block? What do they have? Oh, I see that those ones right in the center is not all done. And then they say, "Up, oh, I, I scroll." They're like, "Wait a second. Oh, mm-hmm. 
Right. And, and they could have, I mean, they could have made it artistically fit better. When, now that I'm looking closer, that divider does look like a wall and all that. But I mean, it's just, just isn't obvious. It's super cool. The idea is super cool. Just erase that, erase the table. It, if they would have erased the table, that carriage board would have been a hundred times better. Mm-hmm. It would have been even better if they had put lines for like walls for the different ones, but just, they should have just erased the table. Yep. Or make it each cabin a different color instead of having the two red cabins back to back. Now, I mean, even then it still doesn't work because the red and green, the red and green back to back chairs, you will think at, at a single glance are maybe. a cabin. You oh, do. that's right. Cause it does have them on the board. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, <laughs> It is interesting. It it looks like it's fun though because you got a little train. I, I mean, I bet you it's a fun game for the kids to play with and have the people walking into the rooms and out of the rooms and go look for Harry and and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I mean, it it is. I've mentioned that the game is beautiful. It looks really pretty. They put a lot of thought and effort into making it look pretty. Just the usability of it mm-hmm. fell apart a little bit. Um, let me talk about another aspect of components that I'm not such a fan of, and those are ticket tiles. Over the course of the game, if you fill an entire compartment with tickets, if you fill an entire compartment with passengers, rather, uh, you place just outside of that on the board, and there's a slot for it, these small little ticket tiles. Uh, and the ticket tiles are printed on, on one side of them, Skyline Express, and on the other side of them, a gear a gear tile. The primary thing you use that for is that you will flip two of those ticket tokens to grab a service tile. So you can flip two of them over to get a bonus scoring opportunity. Or you can flip one of them over to get two action tokens, which lets you do extra actions over the course of the game. I've, I've explained to you what those tiles are. One side says Skyline Express, and one side is a gear. I question now which side of those denotes not used <laughs> and which side of those denotes used. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I would assume the text is There's, the used side and that's the back. I've actually been playing with it being that the text is the unused side, Yeah, but it's not clear. It's not clear at all. So again, it looks really nice. It's just not clear in terms of usability. Now, Stefan Feld and other designers have done similar things. There's a component there. It's worth two points to the tickets here are worth two points until you use them. So with many other things, the unused side is the side Mm -hmm. that shows two points. So it could have had the two stars on it. And then you flip it over. You remove the two stars from your board to get some other benefit. You know, they, they could have done that side that used shows the two stars shows the star with the two in them. Mm -hmm. They didn't because I I'm guessing they wanted it to look pretty and pretty. It looks. Yeah. And and the usability, I mean, it's not a big deal. At least this isn't because it's easy enough to house rule and just say, Oh, this side is the the front, this side's the back and and you're done. But yeah, but you just have to make sure everyone knows and everyone's on the same page. If someone halfway through the game, because you don't get a ticket Im- immediately. You usually don't even get a ticket till maybe the second round. If you're thinking about it, you do it the first round. If you're playing strategically, you do it the first round. But on the end, toward the end of the first round, after you spent all that time thinking about where to arrange your board, talking to a new player, and they're like, 
what mm-hmm. convention are we using this time? And maybe they have a different convention than you because they don't remember. Yep. They're just doing something. Yeah, that, that can be problematic. Could have been Definitely. clear and it wasn't. Um, the last component I'm going to talk about is the luggage tokens. Uh, there is an additional module that you can add from the game to add additional complexity, which is baggage uh, or luggage. So there are these the cubes of the different colors. Um, alternating passengers in line will get a luggage token. If you get one with luggage, you can put on your luggage compartment, which is another two-layer board similar to your train, where if you fill a hole and up, you get tickets. If you get fill a whole row of matching ones, you get bonus points or bonus action tile and it's just it adds a little more complexity it's not too much more but it's a nice additional thing to have um the version that i have is a kickstarter deluxified one when instead of having a cube it's a printed meeple also and those also look really nice the cubes are just fine uh but just just to note that it is okay (sighs) so I believe that's enough about the components. Let's talk about the rules. Can we rules. talk about the themes before the rules? Sure, go so, for it. So th- this is obviously, a, a, like I said, a, a 1920s Art Deco train game. You're riding a trail, riding yes. the rails, going from one city to another or something, right? That's You are not riding the rails. Okay. You are managing the train line, trying to arrange passengers the, so that they're so, all maxed. So that theme comes across clearly. What doesn't come out all clearly is that these are sky rails and you're traveling from a cloud city to a different cloud city. And I have, I have no idea why that yes. is part of the theme. I mean, it's a neat idea, but it doesn't look like it comes out anywhere in the gameplay. It doesn't really come out in the art either, other than the box cover. Um, I, I don't <laughs> it, disagree. It, it <laughs> seems like there's a lot of potential there. They should do something with that. It's a shame they didn't. It, but yeah, that's a theme. You're, you're riding uh, these sky trains or zeppelins or blimps or whatever maybe for to cloud cities and Sky these are cities that apparently are floating in the clouds i guess yes yeah because they even have it's like post-apocalyptic huh. and the world was destroyed and so now everybody has to live up in the upper atmosphere <laughs> that and, is interesting yeah and I mean, the first time i realized that there's anything going like, on is when i saw the picture at the end of the rule book and it it looks like a a monorail a steampunk monorail sort of thing. It's like, what the heck is, what the heck is this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah, I mean that that is what it so is. The I don't disagree part, with you. Part the 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 steampunk part of the theme. Well, it's not really steampunk. I'll call it steampunk. It's, it's not a normal, normal train. train. It's a sky train. It's an Art Deco, an art deco steampunk sky train. Sky trains they sky trains they've had. It just it's a floating okay. city. Does any does any of that not, doesn't feel stupid? I, 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 I don't believe we had sky trains in the past, but that's irrelevant. Does that come out at all in the theme, or does it just feel like a train game, or do you even get a trainy feel to it? Okay. Just feels like a train game. Okay. That that's all I want to know about the theme. <laughs> sure. Rules. Uh so mm-hmm. let me talk about the rules. Um, the rules are at best okay. They, I suppose they get the point across to, to, for the most part. Um, the, the board shows, uh, there's a picture of the board that shows where all the different things are. It explains to you all the different pieces and the different actions of the setup. And then it goes through the, 
the action phase, scoring phase, and cleanup phase, which is how you play through first actions when people trade off taking passengers, scoring, which gives you points for goals, service tiles, and personas. Uh, and then afterwards, you clean up and reset for the next round. It goes through all of that well enough and definitely well enough to get by on it. I would have preferred to, A, have seen sort of a game set up. Because although it tells me about the board and the pieces, it doesn't actually tell me, like normally with a game, it shows you here's the game set up and here's where you put all the different pieces and things. It it doesn't have a walkthrough about where things necessarily go. So sometimes a little bit with a game setup, you have to swap back and forth between the picture of the different components be like, okay, it says put the gold tiles on the gold tile spot. Well, let me go back and look. What, what were the gold tiles? Okay, now I see the picture of the gold tiles. And what's the gold tile spot? Uh, referencing, ah, six, letter six says, here's where the gold tiles go. <laughs> okay, I've, I've got it. The, the setup really could have used more okay. care. <laughs> just to say a little bit more care. One thing that is nice is that the board prints reminders for a lot of the action phase stuff, right? So for example, printed on the main board are the, are the five different actions you can take. And it's printed on the spot where you, when you use an action token, you put the action token back there and it kind of sits there. And that's the spot that reminds you of what different things your action tokens can do they reprinted the reminders and told you what those reminders do somewhere. It's sort of like in a random spot. It looks like there's an explanation of a quick reminder for the scoring phase. And it sort of reminds you of the scoring phase and the cleanup phase and how to do that. But then it doesn't tie back and print those icons in the rules. So when you see them on the board, you're like, what is that set of icons? Mm it wasn't told to me in the rules. It's just a bunch of icons on the board. <laughs> what does it reference? And it's always nicer when you can have an explanation of the icons when you're seeing them. And it didn't this time. <sighs> um, perhaps a nitpick on, uh, perhaps a nitpick on the rules, but especially with the setup being frustrated, I was already inclined yeah, yeah. to nitpick. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of little things about this game to nitpick about. Yeah. So, let me continue on. Albert, I believe we're up to the gameplay at this point in time, so we can focus more on how the game plays and thoughts about that. So, I've highlighted the general idea, and for the most part, you are going to be taking turns, uh, and you're going to take a passenger, and you're going to put it on your board. Almost every turn you take is just going to be that because over the course of the game, uh, unless you're playing the baggage token, really over the course of the game, you're going to get six action tokens. You can maybe get some extras back with tickets, but you get six actions. The five bonus actions that are printed, unless you're using some other benefit, you will only get to do six times over the course of the game. The bonus actions are almost all swap one of the people with a different person. 
whether you're swapping a person on the main board with someone in the waiting room so that you can change up what's available. You can swap someone with an empty seat or a full seat on your board. Uh, so swap people around on your board. Um, you can get additional service tiles in case you don't like the ones that are there so that you can have better scoring opportunities, or you can swap luggages. So when you take a luggage, you can swap it with a different color. Those are the five actions. They're clear. They're fast. Um, they aren't very complicated, and you're not going to use them a whole lot. But when you use them, they're crucial because they let you rearrange your board for how to do things. Um, there's a lot of focus and attention that is spent on them. And I suppose that's good because they're valuable and they're crucial. But the real primary part of the board uh, of the game is just that really fast. I take a passenger. I'm I'm done with my turn. It, your turns take seconds just to take and put it down. Um, let me now, having discussed almost the entirety of the actions you take, let me discuss in more detail about the different types of mm -hmm. scoring opportunities. There are three different types of scoring opportunities. The first one is goals. A goal, so over the course of the game, there are six goal tiles. There's a whole pile of them that come with the game, and you'll randomize each game what goal tiles there are. There are two that are active in the first round. There are two that are active in the second round and two that are active in the third round. The game starts with all of them face up, so you know what all of them are, but only two are active in a given round. After goal tile scores, you will flip it over and it's not going to do anything for the rest of the round. Now, goal tiles, theoretically, you can score multiple times. On average, and this is just sort of going off the cuff, on average, it takes about four people arranged in a certain configuration to complete a goal tile. And a goal tile, on average, will give you, you know, say, six points for those four people. But the goal tile has to be complete to a T. It's got to be all or nothing. If you don't have, you know, say, all four of those people in the correct order, you get no points for it. Similarly, if you have all four people in the correct order now and they're still in that same order next round, only for the first round do you get those six points. The second round, those four people in that order do not get any points because the goal tile is already flipped face down and not active. Uh, but the goal tile can be used multiple times, so a single goal tile could get you 12 points, maybe. Um, those are goal tiles. The next one is persona preference tiles. So again, whenever a player takes a white passenger from the board, they're also going to take a persona preference. A single persona preference can theoretically score up to four points. The first is that it'll list where the persona itself wants to sit. Personas will either want to sit on an aisle seat or a window seat, and they will either want to sit in a red or a green compartment. If you have them in the right spot, every round they will earn one victory point. Similarly, there are two types of people that every persona wants to be seated with. So, for example, the aristocrat wants to be seated with blue and green people. For every blue or green person in his compartment, he will get one victory point. So if you had a persona in the correct seat and the rest of the three seats in that compartment were filled with people that they like, that persona will score four points. Essentially, that means the arrangement of four passengers is scoring you four points. Now, personas will continue to score points every round. 
So if you arrange a persona on the first round, mm -hmm. completely correct, that persona will be worth 12 points over the course of the game. Don't have them completely correct. Let's say you only have it halfway correct. It'll be two points that round. And then if you finish it later, it'll be four points mm -hmm. the next round, something like that. With persona preferences, it does not have to be all or nothing. They earn a maximum of four points, but they can earn just one point, two points, three points, or even no points if you completely mess it up and just want to deny the other player an easy scoring opportunity. <laughs> the last option is a service tile. Now then again, in order to get a service tile, the general way you do that is you flip over two tickets and you take a service tile. Each service tile is the exact same. They will have pictured two types of color people. So let's say one has blue and purple. Every pair of blue and purple you have, you'll get two points for it. Or if you don't want to total that way, of the two that are pictured, the one you have the least of, you get two <laughs> points for each of those. Those are synonymous things. One is easier to count than the other. Yep. But yeah, yep. cool. That is how that one works. It's quick, simple, and easy between those service tiles. Um, Albert, just, just having heard me talk about these three different scoring opportunities, which one do you think is the most my, valuable? My uh, first thought was the first one that's six points. Yes, the goals. The goals? So perhaps mm -hmm. you might think that. But I'm pretty sure that's a red herring. So the goals give you six points, yep. but they're all or nothing. If someone else messes up your draft or if you don't manage to achieve it, you get zero points. Also, the goals, let's say a round one goal that you complete is worth six points. But a round one preference that you complete is actually worth 12 mm -hmm. points. It's not really worth four. It's actually worth 12 points. Even a round two goal that you complete perfectly yep. is worth six points. But a round two preference, is, if you complete it perfectly, is actually worth and the first eight points. And preferences have the advantage that even if you don't complete them completely, they're still worth yep. three points. Okay. So you want to, it, in my opinion, as perhaps an experienced player who's been doing these things for a while, you want to grab the personas as soon as you can and see if you can fit a way to do the personas and then also get some extra points from goals. But you want to do those personas because no sneezing, they are consistent and they are worth mm -hmm. more than the goals. Now then, you want to do both of them to really right. maximize your opportunities, but they are consistent and they are worth more. Similarly, with the services, the service tiles, if you have two tickets, you look and see which one gives you the most points now, maybe the most points thinking about which personas you want to get, and you just pick that one up. Relatively easy decision. Doesn't mess with anything. Doesn't mess with strategy or determination but it's nice to have the opportunity to get a couple extra points. But in terms of what configuration you should do, it seems blazingly obvious to me that you will always want to grab the personas as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. The person who goes first in this game is the either determined randomly or by whoever rode a train last. 
if only one persona came out, you know who's mm-hmm. going to get yep. that. If any odd number of personas come out, you know who's going to get mm. more of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first player. That means that the first player has an advantage in this game. It is an advantage that is not at mm. all mitigated. Okay. In a two-player game, and we're not talking solo, we're talking multiplayer. In a two-player game, that first player in the first round will also be the first player in the third round. At least in the third player, everyone has a turn where they're first player. So everyone has some sort of advantage, even though the numbers of passengers comes out less in the later rounds. There's more in the earlier rounds, so it's not really fair. But yeah. let's say it's closer to fair. In a two-player game, it's really not. He gets more time being first player. He gets more personas. And the other person would just be stuck. The most consistent to best scoring opportunity yep. they don't get. And so so it's not a guarantee all. that the first player is going to have the advantage, but the likelihood is, I mean, it's either either it it's either sure a draw or an advantage. So it, it's definitely better. You're Correct. better off being first regardless. And it's it's even when it's a draw, yeah. they get to pick they get their pick right. of the persona tiles because they get to pick whichever one they want, and they can theoretically pick the one that'll be more easily fit into the goals. Like say the goals want to have blue characters mixed in with something else, then they'll get a persona that wants blue characters, leave the one that doesn't want blue characters to the other player. So the other player can't do both yep. at the same time. Okay, yeah. So- so it's another miss. It's it it's it's a difficulty for me about that fact that there isn't, in my opinion, clearly obvious strategy about what you want to do. Now, then, obvious strategies are not necessarily a bad thing because there's a lot of nuance to how you do the the gameplay of where you want to put people so that it all lines up so that you get the personas because sometimes you'd be like if i lose a point for persona i'll actually be able to get the goal and so i'll get three from persona and six from the goal and that's better to get you know nine points is better than four i see a way of doing that so there's there are nuances and things in that but when you have things that are obvious and clear i need to jump on to this or when you have first player advantages that are obvious and clear to me it hurts my desire unless to play you're guaranteed to be first yes now then <laughs> let's see exactly That's make right. sure you ride the train often <laughs> in that case because then theoretically you get the first player all the time so now that i do want to say i've i've been torn and spending a bunch of time playing this game i i'm coming in harsh on this game even though i've played it a bunch at this point because the game okay feels good <laughs> the game is fun to play it is it's got short turn fast fast paced pretty colorful the this the action of taking a person arranging your board all of that feels fun and relaxing and enjoyable but as soon as i start being critical with it i have to see the flaws Mm -hmm. so i suppose if you're not going to be a old crusty person <laughs> like i am who has to do a podcast and think and overly analyzes games it may not bother you but i am stuck with an overly analytical brain and it bothers me <laughs> i'm yeah. torn i'm very that, torn that does taint it but you're having fun when you play it i mean 
I mean, yeah. as long as I'm not thinking. As long as the score doesn't matter. If I'm being critical fun. about it. If I'm being, yeah, if the score doesn't matter, if I'm having fun, like playing with the kids and, oh, color is pretty nice, fun. But if I'm trying to win, I go, I'm going to take all the personas. Like if I'm playing with a new player and they haven't realized that the personas are the best and they don't take the personas immediately. I'm sorry. I took all the personas, my first three actions. And you were like, Oh cool. I can do the all blue goal and get six points. And I'm like, I'll just take all the personas and leave you with six points to my. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's what happens when sorry. you teach somebody a new game. A lot of times they you just kill them. I played, I played new them with my wife. I mean, but it's such yeah. an obvious and I played new with my wife a, a yeah, couple on. weeks ago and you know, I had played it already and she had and Yeah. I just, killed her i'm sorry it's it's experience (laughs) i don't know i just think this one takes no experience to do like even on second Mm -hmm. play you see it it's just so not first play friendly because of that okay i'm gonna stop harping about this um i I have mixed feelings about the gameplay i want to talk about this it is a solo podcast after all okay it is a solo podcast. I want to talk about the solo version. Now then, for this game, they have they have implemented a solo version. Uh, the solo they, they elected to use is an Automa-based. You use the Automa to, to automate the second player, and that it's you versus that second player. You will use the Automa to have the second player take actions. Uh, and then the Automa scores slightly differently, so like normally, instead of getting just two points, you get three points for service tiles and for personas. Uh, if it has the right spot on the board, instead of getting, you know, one, it gets two or three or four even on the really hard mode. Uh, so it, it gets extra scores for looking or you having to put it on there in the right spot. But it gets extra scores because it's not it's not as strategic. Um, you f- score all the points and then you do the thing. Now then, when you're doing the Automa, there are... It's, it's going to be three sections on it. Each of those sections are going to show a different sort of thing of which tile, which passenger you're going to take. The first one is going to say, if you can... And if it's shown, take a persona. Okay. Um, the second one says, if you have a persona and this icon is present, take a persona that matches the persona's preferences. So take that one. And then the last one is, if neither of those are true, it either can't fill up a persona or it there are no poor personas left. Just take one that's one, two, three, four, five, six from the left or right, whatever have you. And there's a pile of tiles. You'll randomize them up and it'll just pick for you mm-hmm. which one of those it does. And then you put it on its board, keep track of where to put things that can finish those. It doesn't care about goals. So you don't have to think about that. Um, but when it fills up a spot. When it fills up a whole compartment, you immediately give it a ticket. When it gets a second ticket, you have to look over the service tiles, calculate for the service tiles which one is most beneficial for the Automa, and give it the service mm-hmm. tile. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Albert, are, are you already yes. prepared to say something? You don't like. Albert, this. what are you prepared to say? <laughs> you How don't you like tell, when Albert? you have to do a lot of adding and thinking for the AI. You don't like that, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a, there is a rule. It's not even mine. It's Automa Factory. They're the ones that are big proponents about this, and I fully agree with them. Automas are supposed to automate only that which interacts with the player. I do not need to automate all of the stuff that the other players do. I don't need to care about what the other players do. I'm happy taking my turn. And what would occur to me, that should be automated. So I shouldn't have to sit there and calculate out what service tile is the best. I shouldn't have to calculate out which persona would be the best or if it's filled or can I fill up a persona preference? Mm, yeah. I shouldn't need to. I should, the only thing that the aut, that the Automa should be doing is it should be randomly removing perso- uh, passengers from and preference tiles from the board. It's the only thing it should be doing. Yeah. But, um, you agree with me, Albert? I think I, I remember in be- with a Between Two Cities, you did not like the Otoma for the same reason. There's a lot of thinking of trying to figure out how to place this stuff. Um, that is true. I remember not minding it as much and finding the game was still fun. Though so That one brought two variants uh, for the Otoma. One, a simple one and a complicated one. The complicated one, you used the cards and did all thinking. The simple one was a lot simpler and you didn't do very much mm-hmm. thinking. And I remember, I just remember finding that uh-huh. More, more fun, but not more fun. Just quicker to play, so just more likely to get used. It was satisfying enough, but it, I never found that the other one bothered me. Correct. Much. I just rather do the easy one. I mean, yeah, it bothers me whenever if if I'm having to play for another player, I don't. It it shouldn't do that. <laughs> it shouldn't do that because it's harder, especially when the board is already not intuitive. Like when you're having to manage someone else's board in addition to yours. Boy, does those black walls in the middle of the of the of the compartments really come into play? Because then you really start to notice it when you're going mm-hmm. back and forth. Um, because it can get really confusing. So, would you find it easier to just play two players, or or do the Toma steps? So, well, here's here's what I would find easier, and even it works with the same components. Instead of having a board, just pitch the automa players board you can use the same tiles it's just that for the tiles if they want a preference they pull a preference when they with if they have a a persona preference and it doesn't have any passengers on it you take one of the passengers and put it on the preference tile so let's say the preference wants a green and a blue the first time a preference tile wants something from the second action on the tile, you'll take a green passenger and put it on the preference tile so that it's fulfilled. Then you'll do that with the blue one and it's fulfilled. Once it's fulfilled, you don't have to think about it anymore. It's set aside. It's back in the pile with all the other ones. If you don't have any preference tiles or they're all filled, then you just take a random one from the line, whichever one comes up in the mm-hmm. tile. You don't have to play with the board. You Service tiles should just be when you take one, a random other one goes. And that way, always a random one is going instead of having to think about what they want. And then the end of it should have been, instead of being like total up 
and give the Otoma extra points for doing service better and personas better because they're <laughs> a little dumb, so they need a little bit of help. That's fid- that's um, fiddly. N- no, just tell me on a score, like, how well did I do? I got a 50? It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do one of those. <laughs> I don't need to total up their score. And give them just, bonus points. Just point. tell me. <laughs> And give them bonus points, exactly. I don't need that. I don't need any so, of that. So to my, answer my question, though, would you find it easier to play two characters, or is it easier to do this than to play two sides yourself? As in, if I got to do full thought yeah. process for two characters, yeah. like me versus me? Yeah, for would sure, me harder? versus me. It would be easier than the other Okay, yeah, see, that's... That's what I found with a uh, Cuba Libre, which is a, a coin game from GMT. It had this really complicated automa, and you work through it, and and you're playing three three enemies against against yourself, and you had to for each one go through this complicated flowchart. Eventually, I threw out the flowchart. I just started playing all the sides, <laughs> and it was easier and way more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, you can't determine if you win that way. But yep. I mean, if you're playing solo, you're playing to get a high score and to yeah. enjoy playing. You know, that's that's what we do. I, I play these games. I don't play. I mean, I do play to win, but I enjoy playing even if I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. fine. But instead, it's. Uh, yeah, I'll look at my score. Did I read. win? Did I lose? But I tend not to really look at it over time and see, you know, is this my best game or what? Doesn't matter. I mean,. It's it's almost like they didn't read Automa Factory's basic mm-hmm. how to make automas. And they should have. Here's here's another point, by the way, that does bother me a little. Uh, and made me play it multiple times to make sure I'm on with strategy. So, Albert, I told you already once that personas and preference tiles are really, yes. really good, right? You want them whenever mm-hmm. you can, yep. right? <laughs> Only half the time... Does the automa take a persona preference oh. style? They only take it half the time. <laughs> That's why it doesn't I, do so I, good. I mean, I'm not sure why you would ever <laughs> not want one. <laughs> yeah. They're really good. The only time maybe you don't want one is if maybe there's like three or four of them on the board and you can get all of them and then you don't have enough of the other colors. But theoretically, if there's three or four now, next round there's going to be less and you can fill it in next round to get a whole bunch of points next round. Yeah. Like, you still probably want them. Now, that's never happened to me. But what this makes me really think that the designer of their own game didn't understand the optimal strategies <laughs> for their own game. Because they huh. go and they automate it that the Otoma doesn't take the optimal strategy. Like there's been times, there's been three preferences that come out. Three is the most I've ever seen come out. Three preferences come out. I'm, uh, and I grab the first one because I'm always first in, in solo. And the Otomo flips over and it's like, he doesn't want it? Okay, I'll take it. Do it again. He doesn't even want the third one? Okay, three <laughs> for me. Sure. I'll take three and figure it out later. Because I'm for sure going to get more points with three preferences than I will messing with goals. It makes you wonder if maybe they didn't uh, try it out with playtesters and just playtested themselves. You know, that's the sort of that's <sighs> the sort of thing in software development. You know, they'll say, hey, Albert, you made this great program. Go ahead and test it now. It's like, you don't want me to test it because I know what it's supposed to do. I won't make the mistakes. Right? I won't do things differently from what I, what I expect it should be played. 
you're done. You know, I mean, they don't they don't thank any playtesters in the rule book. So, you know, that's a distinct mm-hmm. possibility. Yeah, who knows? That's just speculating sure. anyway. Making up rumors, that sort of thing. I'm not sure. Well, interesting. So, <sighs> so it sounds like a game you would recommend to play with others as long as you play it lightheartedly, but not something to play solo, if I if I read you correctly. I mean, I don't <laughs> know what kind of recommendation okay. I have, Albert. I'm not sure. Because on the one hand, it's a beautiful, it charming game. But it's not a matter of playing lighthearted. It's a matter of playing. <laughs> it's a drinking drunk. game. <laughs> it's a drinking game. Like you want to play without, without thinking about this. You want to play it not strategically. You want to play it with someone who's not going to. You want to play it with someone who's just going to enjoy playing the game yeah, and not, and not really worry about care the fact that I'm going to cream them there. And you yeah. want to not win yourself. So it's a game to play with somebody who doesn't mind that they're going to lose to you because you're just going to play optimally. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it looks really nice. It really does look like they put a lot of effort into the components and whatnot. It does sound like, like it's a little bit lacking in the gameplay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Skylines Express. Yep. I'm afraid it may be time for the train to sail over the horizon. <laughs> Trains don't sail, but they do in this game, don't they? In this game, I'm not quite sure what you consider it when it sort of like floats over the horizon. Chugs. Chug over the horizon. Depart over it the horizon. Floats. I think it, I think they float. Yeah. I do believe so. Float over the horizon. But I think it's time for it You're to right, float Flo. over the horizon. Thank you, Julius. <laughs> You're welcome, Aubrey, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I appreciate you listening to another rant with Julius. Alrighty. Goodbye, everyone. Have a good night, all. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.